Hello and welcome to today's episode. So today I will be reading Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled Speaking from Experience. So after this lecture we have two more left from 1964 and then we'll be going into 1965. Alright, so Neville tells his audience tonight's subject is speaking from experience. There's a conversation that takes place in the book of John between Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, and Jesus. It's the third chapter, and he said to Nicodemus, We speak of what we know and bear witness to what we see, but you do not accept our testimony. If I tell you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So here is one who is a member of the Sanhedrin, the highest order in the Jewish faith, and he came at night asking certain questions. Now he did not really ask. He called him rabbi. And Jesus admitted the fact that he was a teacher, that's what a rabbi is, and then proceeded to instruct him concerning a great mystery and said to him, You must be born from above. For unless you are born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 3. And he replied, Can a man who is old enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And this was answered in a strange way. He said, That which is born from the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Verse 6. But unless you be born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of spirit. Verse 8. Then he goes on after the next interruption. This turns into a discourse, really began as a dialogue, and finally the whole thing is moving into a discourse, like an argument. Then he said, how can this be? You, a master, a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this? I tell you, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And no one has ever ascended into heaven, but he who descended. Verse 10 through 14. All this is compact in a few verses, which you will find in the first few verses of the third chapter of John. He takes it literally. On a physical level, the Greek word translated anew or again or from above is anothen. Scholars claim that you can give no other meaning to the word, especially when you read the context, than from above, begotten of God, begotten from above. That birth can be considered either from the father's side, in which case the verb is to beget, or from the mother's side, in which case the verb is to be or to bear. The word here is from the father's side to beget. It's begotten from above, begotten of God. Now, I can tell you from experience this is literally true. He thought you couldn't take it on the physical level. It could not be literal. But he explained that which is begotten, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Nicodemus didn't understand it, he just didn't understand it. Because what man in this world could understand it unless he had the experience, or he believed the one who had the experience? So here the story is literally true. 
He's speaking of an entirely different age, an age that is not this age at all, where one must have a body equal to that age to exercise a power completely unknown to any man or by any man in this world. An entirely different thing, where he's exercising a creative power that is the power of God. So, he has to have a body to exercise that power, to use that power, and this body comes from his birth from above. Now he makes the statement, I came out from the Father, and I came into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and ascending to the Father, John sixteen twenty eight. In these four little phrases, he admits of a pre-existence. I came out from the Father. Well, to come out from the Father is to die. Like a prodigal son, he departed from his father, and the father thought him dead, thought him lost, and said, My son, who was lost, is found. He was dead, and now he is alive again. Luke fifteen twenty four. So he admits in that departure, I came out from the father, that he died. I have come into the world, that's incarnation. Again, I am leaving the world and ascending to the Father, and this is also literally true. Man finds it difficult to understand, but in the course of the evening we will explain it from actual experience. Well now, let us get down to this level from experience. I have asked you to join with me and share with me your use of the law that I, in turn, may encourage everyone who is here to use the law lovingly, to expand the world and make it a wonderful world, because you can be anything in this world that you really want to be if you're willing to be vigilant, to be faithful to the assumption that you are already such a person, if you're willing. Well, a gentleman wrote me this past week, and he said, on Sunday when we discussed, you reminded me of something that in the interval I had forgotten that when I discussed possible stories with my producer and he gave me all these stories, I went home boiling I was so mad because I knew I could conceive of many more wonderful stories than the stories that he suggested. I was so mad when I got home, I just simply raged. And I said to myself, audibly screaming it out, my wife didn't hear me, but I went upstairs and to the mountain, I, mountains I spoke. I don't have to write for TV. I can write for Broadway shows, write for Broadway plays. I can write for I can write books. I can write for pictures. I don't have to write TV scripts. And then I thought, well, now I'll take his most stupid story, but the most stupid of all the ideas that he gave me, and then I'll work on it. So he said, I gave him the challenge. And so the story that I worked on was nominated for an award that year. Of all the stories that I've ever done, it's the one story nominated for an award as the best story of the year. It was his most stupid story, but it was a challenge. So you reminded me on Sunday that the challenge is necessary in the world. Uh, okay, so, oh, so on Monday, I lost my place. So on Monday morning, I felt calm and passive. Then I was walking my usual walk, and I was in a mood of, th of thanking Father. When suddenly I remembered what you had said the day before, on Sunday, about a challenge. When I took the most stupid story and developed it into what was nominated for an award. And suddenly I heard the loudest, the most authoritative voice I have ever heard before. Never heard anything as loud as this. With such authority, and I heard it from the depths of my soul. And it is saying to me, and this is what it said, 
Feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? You think it over. Feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? As I've told you, God actually became man. Man is the limit of contraction, the limit of opacity. There is no limit to translucence and no limit to expansion. But he took upon himself the limit of contraction, which is man, called Adam. And now Adam has to feed him with challenges that he may create, that he may expand his creative power. For the purpose of the whole thing is simply to create and to develop one's creative talent, one's creative power. So, feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? You wouldn't think that God is growing. God grows. God grows forever and forever. God is truth, and truth is a limitless expansion. Forever and forever and forever. So it simply comes down to the limit of contraction, assumes the challenge that it can give, and then creates. He said, I came out, and the day before I had a story, which my producer accepted and liked, and instantly I threw it into the ash can. I want a bigger and a better story, more alive, something more vital. <clears throat> and, one, and in one hour I had it. I took the challenge. And then, in a very sweet way, thanked me for reminding him of what he had told me about this stupid story that he developed to the point of receiving at least the nomination for an award. But, in the interval, he had forgotten what he did with that challenge. And now he said to me in the letter that a challenge changes man's consciousness from the, pa <clears throat> the passive state into the active state. It's the most wonderful thing in the world to lift man's consciousness to higher and higher levels, a challenge in this world. So I ask you to take what he, he has given me, which I am now sharing with you, and use it, and then grow. In growing, God grows. It's all God. God is playing all the parts, so he very generously gave me in letter form his reaction to our conversation on Sunday, which tonight, then, I can share with you. Now, he knows this now from experience, for he got his story in one hour. And a truth that man knows from experience, he knows more thoroughly than he knows anything else in this world, or than he can know that same truth in any other way. For instance, I'll tell you the story, and you believe me. All right, so you believe me, but you don't know it as you will know it after you've tested it and you've proven it in the testing. So what you know from experience, you know more thoroughly than you know anything else. So today he knows that a challenge took his consciousness and turned it from the passive state into the active state, that he had the courage to take a story that he was already accepted and liked by his producer and discarded and in one hour came up with a story infinitely better than the one he had discarded. He had the courage to discard one already accepted. Well, that was already money in the bank when you're getting that sort of money for a half-hour script, but he discarded that and took the challenge and then rose to a higher level. So I shared with you. You take the challenge. Now another lady, she is here this night and said... Uh, this past week to me, I was talking to some friends and I said, you know, I remember when. And as I said, I remember when, it dawned upon me. These are Neville's words, the words he used to describe a vision of his. And then I said to myself, but I'm not using it. Here, the man shared with us his vision, and I haven't used what he gave me. He gave it to me. 
I'm now talking to my friends, telling them I remember when, and I myself have not done it. She said, I've just written a letter to my landlord to explain to the landlord that I would be unable this month to meet the rent on time. I'll pay. I've always paid, and I will pay, but this month things are different. I cannot pay this month. That is not on, that is not on time. Then suddenly, I remember when. Then she began to remember when she cleaned a motel room, a hotel room, a private home, $14 a day. Then she lost herself in the mood, I remember when, and therefore that implies she's not doing it now. The phone rings and a former employer, who formerly employed her at $10 a day, employed her that day at $50 a day. He said, you put in your bill as long as it will take you to organize a certain something, which she did not explain in her letter. And it's $50 a day for the work you're going to do to set this thing in motion. I remember when. As I've told you, that vision was so clear to me, just as clear as this room here, when I slipped. I'm on my bed here in this city, and suddenly I am in this huge mansion on Fifth Avenue, one of these enormous 60 and 70 room mansions. And there were three families present. One was grandfather, one was the next generation, and then the third generation. Grandfather was invisible. But the other two generations, they were present and always discussing grandfather. And they would say, I heard them. I came, I came in the spirit, and I heard them discussing grandfather, who made the fortune that they now enjoyed, the mansion, and the income from this entrenched wealth they were now enjoying, but they themselves did not make it. They told the story of Grandfather, and Grandfather said while standing on an empty lot, I remember when this was an empty lot. And then Grandfather would paint a word picture of his desire for that lot, and paint it so vividly that everyone saw it as Grandfather saw it. That's how he made his fortune. He lived from that moment on, and his wish fulfilled. I remember when. I woke, it was about three in the morning, and I wrote the entire vision out. Then I went back to bed and redreamed the dream. But this time, as I redreamed it, I was grandfather. I had so completely absorbed the message that I found myself in the same mansion, with the same people, and I told them that I remember when I'm standing on an empty lot. I remember when this was an empty lot. Then I would paint the word picture of my desire for that lot and paint it so vividly, so graphically, they all saw it. Uh, okay, I lost my place again. So, and then I woke. Well, the 41st chapter of the book, Genesis, verse 32, tells us that if the vision is double, the doubling of the vision means this, said Joseph to Pharaoh, that God has fixed it, and it will shortly come to, to pass. God has fixed it. This is fixed now if the vision is doubled. God has fixed it, and it will shortly come to pass. So I shared it with you, and now this lady has been coming faithfully over the years. But like all of us, we hear it. It's a thrill at the moment, but we don't carry it into action. She didn't apply it. But the very day she applied it, the phone rings, and she is offered $50 a day, not $10 a day, so it was a challenge. She took the challenge that I remember when I only earned $10 a day. 
Now you can take that same thing. I remember when my income was only any kind of income, $1,000 a week, you can make it. You think it's crazy? Nothing is impossible to God. Feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? That's the story of God to a friend who is here this night. Feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? And so if your challenge is that you want and you name it, I know in my own case, when I was opposed to my teacher and elocution, it was her opposition to my voice and her statement that I could never in eternity earn a dollar using my voice. And she used me as a guinea pig, one of a class of 40. And she made me step forward and then pointed her finger at Neville and said, You see, Neville, listen to him. He will never be able to use his voice to earn a dollar. So just watch all that he does, listen to him, and avoid it. I am the only one of the class of 40 using a voice and thoughts behind it to earn a living, and the other 39 are elsewhere. What they are doing, I don't know, but not one of them ever entered the theater, not one. Not one entered any other part of life where the voice would be used, and she was a great teacher of elocution. But she challenged me, and that was my challenge. I would not allow myself to waste my father's $600. He could ill afford to give me $600 to go to a dramatic school for six months and then come out and be a failure. I knew in my heart I couldn't do that to him, and so I just would not allow it. So I say to everyone, everything in this world is possible if you will now accept the challenge. Because who is accepting it? God is accepting it. Because God is your own wonderful human imagination. That's God. God actually became man that man may become God. Now we'll take you through the book from now to the end of the series, the 26th of this month. And show you how the book is so true. Every word of it is true and literally true on deeper levels of the soul. Here is a friend tonight. He's in the audience. And this happened last week. You've heard the story time and again of the crucifixion and the voice that said, Behold, I say unto you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23:43. Well, this lad, he's just a lad. He found himself in vision in a theater. And here was this huge big screen. To the left of the screen is a cross almost his height or a little bit more than his height. Then a man suddenly appeared out of nowhere, walked to the cross, turned around, and faced the audience, and then stretched his hands out and fused with the cross. Then a voice said, I say unto you today, you will be with me in paradise for a little while. I can't throw any light on it, but at least he's honest and he's telling me exactly what he heard. And when a vision breaks into words, then deity is present. The very presence of deity is confirmed as a vision breaks into words, as told us in the third of Exodus, verse 4. Here, from the bush, and suddenly the vision breaks into words, and the very moment it breaks into words, the revelation begins. Say, I am, has sent you, verse 14. And the presence of deity is always confirmed whenever the vision breaks into words. So in this case, the vision broke into words. Now, what that tagline is, which is not recorded in scripture, for a little while, I do not know. 
He wrote me this letter just a few days ago, and I do not know. It has not been revealed to me why the tagline. But it's obvious what the first part of it is. Behold, I say unto you, today you will be with me <clears throat> in paradise. But why for a little while? Yet it does tell us that because of the instant, or rather forever expansion of God, all things are only for a season. It's always a growth and a growth and a growth forever and forever. So he has shared that with me and I have shared it with you. But I tell you from my own experience, everything in scripture is true. I have had almost every experience that is recorded in the gospels concerning Jesus Christ. From the birth through the very end, every one. I have not had the story of Lazarus. No, I haven't had that one. But I've had the dove. I've had all the stories of scripture as recorded. They take place in the soul of man. They don't take place on the outside at all. For it is said of him. We know where this man came from. We know his origin. And when the Christ comes, no one will know where he comes from. <clears throat> so they rejected him because they knew his origin. But when Christ comes, so they thought... He will emerge in some strange, mysterious way. And he does, but he comes in a mysterious way in man that man himself did not know. Now listen to the words that we started off with the meeting. He tells us he's only talking of things that he knows. I tell you what I know and bear witness to what I've seen. And you will not accept my testimony. He's only testifying to what he's actually experienced, what he's seen and they will not accept his testimony. Now if I tell you of earthly things, and you will not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So he tells them earthly things, all the signs of earthly things, all the signs of health, transforming a man who is poor into a man who is rich, a man who could not sell a material into one who sells all that he can write. A man who was unwell into a man who never felt better in his life. So he transforms all this, and they will not believe what he tells them of how he did it. He only did it in his imagination. For he said, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you've received and you will. That's all that you do, Mark eleven twenty four. Well, if he could convince himself of the reality of what he is now imagining, then it should externalize it itself if that principle is true. Well, it did. But he told them how he did it. They couldn't believe it. They wanted some other kind of a trick. And he's telling them that this is all that you do. When you know what you want, believe that you have it and you will have it. And if one can get to that point of belief, then everything would come into this world based upon the great law of Israel. So he recited the entire story for them. In the 78th Psalm, the whole history of Israel is recorded. He said, lend me your ears, or let me, have, let me have your ears, your understanding, your attention, and I will open my mouth in a parable and speak in dark sayings as of old. Verse 1. And then he tells them, he will tell them all the things that the Father said that everyone should hear, and then carry it on to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. 
and all the unborn generations, all the wonders that God wrought. And the very end, it comes to David, in the very end of this very long chapter, the 78th, which is a chapter by Asaph, and Asaph means the gatherer. He gathers all these things together. We have 12 Psalms by Asaph, the 73rd through the 83rd, and then the 50th. And that 50th is the one where, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you, for the earth is mine and all that is in it. The cattle on a thousand hills, they're mine, verse 10 and 12. And were I hungry, I would slay and eat. Why should I tell you when it's all mine? That's the first psalm that he gave us, the 50th. Then he gave us the other 11, the 73rd through the 83rd. And the name simply means to gather together. He gathers all the traditions, all the stories of the fathers, and he tells them to the next generation and tells them to tell it to the next generation and keep on telling it until one day they experience it. And so we tell you, and then one after the other has an experience. The one this day was the cross. He's experienced it. He knows how true that story is, but what are we told in Scripture? Oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, or who has bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Isn't it a drama vicariously done? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the working of the law, or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun with the Spirit, are you now ending with the flesh? Galatians 3.1 It takes place in spirit, not in the flesh. No one was crucified physically. Yes, undoubtedly, in this barbarous world of ours, tens of thousands of men, undoubtedly, by some tyrant, some sadist, were crucified. But that's not the story. The crucifixion is in spirit, and I know from my own personal experience, it is in spirit. For I was, and it's the most glorious sensation in the world. You can't conceive of the thrill, the joy, when the vortices nail you to this garment, when each hand, each foot, side, and the head become a vortex, and these vortices, six of them, nail you to this body, and the thrill, it's sheer ecstasy, when you have it done. And you hear the words, which means God's presence is here. And then God speaks from the depths of your soul. I laid myself down within you to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, yes, I dreamed that I'm you. He's dreaming that he's you. Now to come back to our friend, feed me with challenges. I'm dreaming that I'm you. I'm your very being. Your own wonderful I amness is God. Now God can do anything, all things are possible to God, so feed me with challenges. How else can I grow? And so be bold enough to take something that you have written, that you have presented, that was accepted and liked, and you know that's money in the bank, and throw it in the ash can, not good enough, and then take a challenge, something more vital, something more wonderful, something more thrilling, and write it. And in one hour get it, Get something far better than what you're quite willing just for money's sake to accept and because there's money for you.
So you take it this night and take a large sum. If anyone had told me when I worked at Macy's for, what, $18 a week and did everything in the place of eight, for 18 bucks, if anyone told me then that I would, in the not-too-far future, be making $500 a week, why, I would have laughed at them. But I did. One day I quit Macy's. I don't mean fired. I was fired from Penny, J.C. Penny. So I worked for J.C. Penny, and they gave me $20 a week. And one day they fired me. I asked them why. What have I done wrong? They said nothing wrong, but we have an economy in this country. And then when things are slow, we let people off. You've been working here for a year and a half. So we have just simply, uh, we just simply have to economize. And so you have to go. I said, where I come from, you fire a person because he's done something that is wrong. That if I've stolen or if I've done something that is wrong, causing the company loss, fire me. But don't fire me because of certain strange trends in this world. But that's how we operate, they said to me. <coughs> Excuse me, well, they thought, well, this man, he's a boy and he's stupid and he's foolish. We'll give him a letter and send him over to Macy's. So they did. He wrote me a little letter and sent me to his friend who was the employment agency at Macy's. So I moved to Macy's and gave my little letter. They said, we can't start you at $22 an hour or $22.50 a week. We'll start you at 18 So, all right, I have to pay rent. So they started being 18 So I worked there for a year. And one day I said to myself, you're getting nowhere fast. Still making $18 a week and doing everything that they ask you to do because you don't want to be fired. So I had the courage to quit without a nickel in my pocket. And six months later, I was making $500 a week as a dancer. Went off to England, 500 bucks a week. I never danced in my life before, save ballroom dancing. I told my dancing partner when, uh, when she said, can you dance? Certainly I can dance. She said, all right, let me see. Well, I said, I danced with someone else. I'll dance with you. And so that's how it started off. So off to England, we got 100 pounds. In those days, a pound was worth $4.84. Or was worth $4.84. Not today's two eighty, and I got a hundred pounds a week dancing in London for three months. From Macy's, eighteen dollars a week. So I say, you take a challenge. You simply throw yourself out completely, and walk on the water, and either go down and drown, or simply live better. So here I am speaking from experience. I am not theorizing when I tell you, I've done it. I have taken God's word just as he told me and then stepped right out and did it. When no power in this world could have taken me out of our armed forces, God took me out with an honorable discharge. No power in the world could have taken me out, but God took me out. I simply assumed that I was out and slept night after night in the assumption that I am home as an honorably discharged civilian. In nine days, the very man who refused it called me in and then discharged me. Then I was on my train back to New York City. So again, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not theorizing when I tell you that God can do anything in this world. If you'll trust him, hold him responsible, hold him trustworthy. And so in your wonderful field this night, dream the most noble dream in the world for yourself and for others. Take a challenge, a real challenge, and then fall asleep in the assumption that you are already such a person, and then let it work. It'll work, work like a charm. Not one person in this world need 
you call or write to ask to help in any way. If a thousand are necessary, a thousand will respond and you don't have to seek the thousand. They'll come. Whatever it takes will come. So here, in this speaking from experience, he said his brother did not believe him because they knew him. He said to them, My time has not yet come. But your time is always here, John 7, 6. Now there's a profound statement, and who will believe it? If I tell you earthly things and you won't believe it, how would you believe it if I told you heavenly things? Your time is always here. He said, but my time is not yet come. You know what it means? This whole vast world of ours is forever. Just as it is now at this moment in time. What took place last year in the month of November, on the day of the 22nd of November, <clears throat> it always takes place forever and forever in time. It is always taking place. Everything in the world is taking place on this level. So your time is always here, but my time is not yet come. He's telling you of an entirely different world, with a different use of power, different creativity, where man is lifted off this world of recurrence and he enters that world that is creative, one with God, but who understands it. If you do not slip in time and see that it hasn't passed away, that the present is not receding into the past, this present is advancing into the future. The future has already passed. It's a wheel. You're only coming upon phenomena that's already old, and therefore your time is always here, but my time has not yet come. Then he repeats it, and he uses it a little bit differently, and he said, not yet fully come. He knows he is moving into an entirely different world because he's had the experiences foretold in scripture. And so all these were foretold, the birth, the awakening, the descent, the discovery of the fatherhood, <clears throat> the ascent, the dove, all of these, <clears throat> excuse me, are the signs of one's departure from this time. So when Paul made the statement that the time of my departure has come, I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He knew from the experiences in himself, 2 Timothy 4, 7. For he said in his confession in the book of Galatians, <clears throat> When it pleased God to reveal his Son in me, I conferred not with flesh and blood, Galatians 1, 16. It pleased God. What a statement! What pleases God! If you read the Bible carefully, only one thing in this world displeases him. You read this in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, verse 6. So you can't please God by any act of yours if it is not an act of faith. So challenge me, bring me challenges, how else can I grow? Have confidence in me, in my ability to create and bring me a challenge. Something big, something terrific, how else can I create? So without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when he said, and when it pleased God to reveal his son in me, I conferred, not with flesh and blood. He confesses that the son was unveiled in him and he saw the mystery. Then he asked all those who listened to him to look upon him as a steward of the mysteries of God, for they all awoke within him. So tonight, please God, 
How would you please God? Take the most fantastic dream that is not yet realized that seems impossible and then hold God trustworthy. Assume that you've realized it and hold him trustworthy. Challenge God to use his creative talent to create that dream in your world so that you have experienced it. That's how you please God. So when it pleased God, and so through faith, one day he will take the veil and tear it apart, and then unveil within you the series of mystical experiences, which series will reveal to you who you really are. For when it's unveiled, he's only unveiling himself. He's reached the end of his creative power, what he intended when he contracted himself and became you. So he uses you, puts you through all the furnaces in the world, because you and he are one. You are his contraction. So when this comes to the end, you awake as God. Everyone eventually will awake as God. So here, let us take what others have given us, and in their generosity use it. My friend was wise enough and generous enough and modest enough with herself to say, while she was telling the story, it dawned upon her that she had never really tried it. I remember when. And yet the very moment she tried it, the phone calls, and she's getting $50 rather than 10 And so don't just hear it, put it to the test. This chap who wrote, and got all that he wanted, a nice acceptance and a feeling that the man liked it, and then threw it in the ash can. That wasn't good enough. And then he took a challenge, and in an hour the whole thing inflamed his mind, and so he was raised from the passive state into the active state, and the whole thing came through in one hour. I know in my own case I brought back a manuscript that thick from Barbados, 1946, and while at sea this vision happened, here, I was lifted up and I saw this fantastic sea of humanity, and when I walked by, they were all transformed from their unlovely states into the most perfect, most beautiful states imaginable. I took my manuscript and tore it up and threw it away, didn't even bring it back with me, and I labored on it for months. I spent five months in Barbados, and so I labored on this manuscript and I brought it back thinking I'd have a nice manuscript for my publisher. After this experience, I took that manuscript and threw it overboard. Didn't redeem one page of it, and then in one hour, of course, it isn't a long thing, it's a little tiny pamphlet, but in one hour, the whole thing poured through me. <clears throat> I sat down and wrote the whole thing in an hour and then sent it off, and it was published. It just came that fast. I couldn't possibly have gone to press with that, with what i brought back after five months of labor. This whole thing just came like fire, and that had to be it. Just a little tiny thing called the search, but it poured out. And if you ask my wife what she thinks of all my books, the first one she would pick is the search, because it came that way. The same thing is true of your faith is your fortune. I took care of a doctor. He was a dope fiend, a brilliant surgeon, and told me that when he was under the dope, he did his best surgery. For seven years, he had this most fantastic private hospital with about a dozen doctors under him. Then he took the needle and became a victim of his own practice. And I took him. Because he was a very prominent doctor, they allowed me to do what I could with him. So with the consent of New York City's head of the dope ring, that is the police department, they allowed me to take him to a hotel 
So I did, and I took him there for two weeks. He was stark raving mad. If you let him for one second, or if you left him for one second, he's in the nude, down the hallway, on the street, and we're on the 20th floor. So this day, watching him, I was completely something, there's a word missing, just watching him, because he was on the bed. I didn't know what he would do the next second. Here I am with my yellow papers and pencils, and I wrote, Your faith is your fortune. It came out in a matter, I would say, 48 hours? The whole thing, talking on the inside. The voice is talking and dictating, and everything is being dictated, and came out that way. So your faith is your fortune is simply from the depth. I only put it down. I wasn't concocting it. It simply poured out. The whole thing poured out. When I took the manuscript and turned it into my chap to correct it, there was practically nothing, not a thing he had to do with it, simply poured out, all because I took the challenge to take care of a friend who was a dope fiend. And Scotty was a wonderful man, grand fellow, but he simply became the victim of his own practice. So I watched him, and while I'm watching him and getting more and more sleepy, because day in and day out, you just can't get any sleep. And so suddenly this thing began to pour out of me, and I could hear the words in the depths of my soul dictating something on the inside talking. I simply wrote down what they were telling me, and your faith is your fortune came that way, and the search came. After five months of labor on a large manuscript, which I discarded. So my friend is sharing this with, <clears throat> with us this night. Feed me challenge. How, can, how else can I grow? So tonight you take a challenge as we go into the silence. Take the most wonderful challenge and then hold God trustworthy. Now, let us go. All right. There we have Neville Goddard's lecture from 1964 titled Speaking from Experience. Now, I wanted to mention real quick because there's stuff coming through as I'm reading this. For instance, as Neville is writing the book, Your Faith is Your Fortune, he's channeling. And um, there's stuff that comes up in his later lectures that really tie more into uh, consciousness and um, things that are more uh, mystical in nature than just uh, what he's written about scripture. I don't know really how to put it into words right now, but I'm excited to continue to go through these lectures um, and break them down within the VIP group and the courses because there's so much more information to these lectures than actually meets the eye and you and in my experience like it's it just comes through the awakening process um, and the ascension process on this journey so um, yeah, so if you're interested, I have the VIP group available, I have the courses available, I'll, I'll be continuously improving on both as more things are revealed uh, to me. Alright, so that is it for today. Thank you so much, and I'll see you guys uh, next time. Alright, bye now.